Well, welcome to the Robin Walters Show. God bless you all. We uh, have a program today I have entitled The House Divided Cannot Stand. You'll hear more about that later. We've got a bunch of other stuff to cover in the meantime. And as as I have indicated, I'm returning to that theme of trying my best to start every program with good news, ending with good news. And today we launch from the sovereign state of Mississippi. I think it's some. I think it's called the Magnolia State, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, interesting thing that the IRS put out: Mississippi being one of the, the the poorest, or maybe the poorest state in the country, has the highest percentage of people who give to charity, and that means the church. There is a no. There's not a stronger giving slash tithing state in the state of Mississippi. I, I know more and more people that have uh, either gone back, gone there, or are contemplating going back there. In fact, I just talked to a client the other day, California client, said, you know, I'm thinking about going back to Mississippi. Well, I don't blame you because we've got some more shocking news about California in just a little bit, better known as California. But what did Mississippi do that's so great? Well, they have become the latest state to now ban sex change surgeries, puberty blockers, breast removal, castration, sex hormones for minors, and all that garbage from the pit of hell that Democrats seem to just love. Um, on top of the good news of passing, I, you need to know what the House of Representatives there, what the, the, the breakdown, 78 to 30. 78 to 30. That was the support for banning all of this. And you know what? It would be just the reverse if this bill were proposed in California. Just the reverse. It would be 78, no, against it, or making sure they can do it, whatever. But what I find interesting about this legislation is that uh, it provides a course of action for people to sue violators of the law as long as the lawsuit takes place within 30 years of the cause of action, 30 years. So that means if somebody, let's say some 14-year-old got a sex change operation on the, on the sly in Mississippi, that 14-year-old has until he or she is 44 years old to sue the doctor, if he's still alive, the institution, what have you. A long time to sue them to bring justice to bear. And then those who violate the new law can have their license to practice medicine in the state of Mississippi revoked, which, of course, it should never have been granted, but uh, revocation is the best you can do at that standpoint. Next piece of good news. I mentioned to you, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, that Idaho was considering a law that would ban the COVID vax, what a difference two years makes. 
ban the, the alleged vaccine, because it's not a vaccine, it's a fake. But anyway, it does not meet the original definition of a vaccine, but that's beyond the bounds of this program. That Idaho, uh, at least their House, I think, is going to their Senate, had passed a bill banning uh, the issuance of the uh, the vaccine. Now, Montana, the neighboring state, um, not to be outdone by Idaho, has a proposal that would ban donors that have ever had any of the MNRA vaccines from giving blood. This is kind of a throwback to the old HIV days. You know, if you've got AIDS, you can't give blood, and people have died from contaminated blood, even though it was one of those diseases because it was attached to queerdom that had particular civil rights. But what a flip-flop. Can't give blood if you've had the vaccine. Idaho, you can't get the vaccine. I think I think their legislation was if you're under 50, or I forgot it was. And now New York City. New York City, the most left-wing city in the country, probably. The first one to require masks, require vaccination, all the crap that that lying jerk Fauci, the guy really needs to be tried and hung. He does. He's got death on his hands. Well, he can talk to God about that when he meets him. But New York City, which is one of the first ones to absolutely demand in all cases, and you'd be shut down if you didn't instantaneously, if you let people in wearing masks, is now outlawing, outlawing people going into retail establishments with masks. That's right, the proprietors of the retail establishments in New York City now require the retailers, instead of to mandate masks, to prevent masks. You know, I mean, you've got to think about this. Is there anything Fauci has ever said, or the CDC as it relates to the whole COVID crapola that was true? We covered that last week. Not one single thing. Not one single thing has been true. And now New York City is going to prosecute store owners and proprietors who let people in with masks on. And why? Because the morons running New York have had runaway crime with people hiding behind masks. So they're trying to find a way to get reelected, which means they have to reduce crime, sort of like Lori Beetlejuice Lightfoot got bounced last week. They run that risk here if they can't reduce crime. And now they realize, hey, what we mandated is now a cover, no pun intended, for criminals. Well, anyway, next. Gosh, do we have another good news story here? Yes. Oh, no, 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 wait wait a second. I forgot something here because this started out about the COVID thing. The people in Montana, this is what I find really intriguing. The uh, Montana legislature, the bill supporters, have said the issue about the mask is medical autonomy. I I meant blood. I meant to say mask was New York, but the you can't not being able to give blood if you if you took the jab. It's about medical autonomy. Now, does this phrase ring a bell? 
does it strike any trigger in your brain about past stories? Because the whole abortion lie, the whole reproductive health care argument, of course, it's not about reproductive health care. It's about killing. It's pure and simple. The reproduction has already occurred. The only thing that happens in the exercise of reproductive health care is the execution of innocent, unborn human life. But the word is medical autonomy. So that is then the phrase that the pro-aborts have used. Don't tell me what to do with my body. Well, we're not telling you what to do with your body, but we are telling you what you can and cannot do with somebody else's body because the child inside you is not yours. It's not part of your body. It doesn't have the same necessarily, the same biological. It doesn't have the same anatomy necessarily. And guess what? It doesn't even have the same DNA. How can it be part of your body if it's a different DNA? DNA has destroyed the pro-abort argument that this is my body. But medical autonomy is a phrase that the pro-aborts have used. And now it is the argument that the people who have stuck to their guns about not taking the jab or the mask or the blood, they're all saying, they're, they're all taking something from the pro-abort playbook. They said this is about autonomy. How dare you tell me what to do with my body? The difference is, in this case, it really is only their body. There's nobody else's body involved, like a child in the womb. Don't tell me that I have to wear a mask. Don't tell me I have to give a, uh, I have to get the jab. Don't tell me that uh, we have to accept blood from people who have the spike protein floating through their system. Well, okay, next one. This is an interesting piece here. This is going to lead into some stuff that I have to share with my beloved friends who are still hostage in the state of California. So Walgreens comes out the other day and announces that they are not going to um, market in their stores the abortion pill. I can't even think what it's called, Myla, Mifa. Pristone or something, Mifepristone, Mifepristone. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm not looking to add it to my vocabulary. They have agreed to not send the abortion pill to states where it is illegal or, of course, to sell it in states where it is illegal. This is good news that Walgreens is going to abide by the law in those states, which are now up to 20 states, I think it is. They yielded to um, a corporate attorney's general letter from the states of Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Montana, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Texas, Utah, and West Virginia. Notably and interestingly missing from that list is the state of Tennessee. Not really sure why that's the case. Okay, so God bless you, Walgreens, for what? <laughs> Obeying the law. That's nice of you guys to obey the law, but you obey the law. So how does Gavin Gruesome in California respond to this? Gruesome is so ticked off at Walgreens that he has now canceled 
the state's Medi-Cal contract to provide prescription drugs to Medi-Cal recipients, which amounts to a $54 million per year contract. That's right. He is so in love with killing the unborn that though there are 20 states that don't allow the sale of the abortion pills, and he's proud to, to pay for people to come to the state of California, California and offer up their children on the altar of Molech, that he is going to cancel Walgreens' contract. So understand what he's doing here. Gruesome is canceling a contract with Walgreens because Walgreens refuses to violate the laws of 20 states. He will punish Walgreens because they're obeying the law. That tells you something about gruesome, doesn't it? And something interesting here, which I thought I did not know about, the Missouri Attorney General, Andrew Bailey, good man, said that many people are not aware that federal law expressly prohibits using the mail to send or receive um, contraceptives that are used to produce an abortion. So the contraceptive is not really, it doesn't prevent it, but it's used to induce or produce the abortion, which is what the abortion pill does. And he cites it's 18 U.S.C., Section 1461. Although many people are unfamiliar with the statute because it has not been amended for several decades, the text could not be clearer, he said. Every act designed, adopted, or intended for producing abortion shall not be conveyed in the mails. Can't send it through the mail. So this is clearly not only against the laws of the 20 states, and of course these are the states that Newsom won't allow uh, state employees to go to, and those 20 states should cheer. Gloria, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah. We don't have Californians coming to our state to pollute and defile our land. And these are state employees, and of course those are the ones, those are the disseminators of the evil, the state employees. One person uh, wrote here, he said, you know, this governor, this imperious Governor Newsom, quote, is he going to now dictate speed limits in other states? Will he demand that other states use California's K-12 public curriculum or they will boycott that state? Will he require that other states uh, buy his wife's creepy gender justice films? End quote. And I'll throw in my own. Will he require that other states sell the same axle grease that he uses on his hair? Well, this is a, now I'm moving on to the California Public Service announcement. We'll get on other things in a minute, move away from California. I need to tell you that if you want a gas-powered leaf blower or a gas-powered lawnmower, you have to get it before January 1st. That's when they become outlawed. New ones. Or go to Nevada or Arizona and buy one. Just bring it in. I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure what the penalty is for that if, or if there is one. I'm not guessing that they're going to sit at the border and inspect your car for 
uh, leaf blowers. But it wouldn't surprise me because Newsom was fine with open borders and three million people crossing with suitcase bombs and everything else into this country. But it wouldn't surprise me that he would attempt to stop that horrid smuggling of leaf blowers, gas-powered leaf blowers, into the state of California. And, of course, Minnesota is looking to do the same. One other thing, and I will be done with California here. This is interesting piece. Because I've commented in the past that there is a distinct rise in the amount of anti-Semitism in this country. I have often said that when you start down a certain path of sin, when it went back to abortion, then the queer marriage, queer adoption, the tranny this, tranny that, eventually you will arrive at hating the nation of Israel. Now, I'm not a fan of replacement theology. I think replacement theology needs to be replaced. I don't see any place for it. I think it's distinctly unbiblical. But that's not the real point. But where is the safest state to be if you hate Jews? It's clear. It's now the state of California. There is no university system, and this includes the UC system and the Cal State system, which are pretty much all are all the public schools, colleges, and universities in the state other than maybe junior colleges or community colleges, but those are community. Those are early state. This is the number one state for anti-Semitism, permitting it, encouraging it, allowing it, supporting it, it is absolutely the worst. Now, does that surprise me? No, because every Jew-hating person in Congress, in the House of Representatives, as far, from what we can tell, every single Jew-hater is a Democrat. Every single one. And there's hardly a state that's more overrun by Democrats than California. So wouldn't it just stand to reason that the hotbed of Jew-hating would land in the golden state, as they would say? And, of course, the irony is here that this is a state more than any other that demands what? Inclusivity, tolerance. But then it goes and trips over its own diversity mantra by kicking Jews to the curb or certainly allowing it or overlooking it as it takes place in their government schools. They aren't public schools. They're government schools. Okay. Well, you may have heard this on the on the air, but I just have to repeat it. You know that I'm not a big fan of Pete Buttgag, right? The guy's morally incompetent, mentally incompetent. He's the worst uh, Secretary of Transportation in modern history. He's too busy, apparently, uh, having fun with his queer partner to pay attention to his job. Well, he has a mentee. He has a number of mentees, but one in particular I want to point out today. He's the mentor to a gentleman by the name of Patrick Wohan, who's openly queer. He's a de- Democrat, of course. He's a LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ activist. And Pete's his big guy. Pete is his mentor. Wohan was a friend and protege. 
of Pete Buttgag, who just a few weeks ago, but Buttgag, his mentor, got him invited to the White House to witness Biden's signing of the Pro-Queer Respect for Marriage Act. So who is Wohan? Wohan is a guy who just resigned as the mayor of College Park, Maryland, for after being arrested and charged on 56 counts of possession and distribution of child porn. Way to go, Pete. Pete, what are you doing with those that adopted child of yours? Is it what, like those two queer guys in Georgia? They wanted to adopt so that they could molest and profit and make films, child porn films, and you're mentoring this this queer guy who's 56 counts of child porn? See, since you got to recruit because it's not genetic. They have no choice but to recruit. And along that same line, every now and then I announce a boycott. I'm here to announce another one. No longer am I buying anything from Hershey's. Since Hershey's has now made an, an ad that features a male tranny for the International Women's Day promotion. Hershey's gone with queer candies, rainbow candies, now queer porn trannies for International Women's Day. I can't even look at this picture of this tranny. I've got the piece here, but it makes me want to puke. And then, of course, you all know that Jill Biden, not Joe, Jill Biden, gave an award to a male on International Women's Day the guy faking it as a female. This is how sick Democrats are. Are there any Democrats listening to this who don't want to be a Democrat anymore? They want to be a Republican or a Democrat. They want have. Are there some out there who have, are as sick of this as people with right minds are sick of it? I'm not vaulting and launching us as the most moral, comprehensive, righteous people in the world. But goodness sakes. Even even murderers in prison have no use for trannies, queers, and most of all, child molesters. There is a moral hierarchy. All right, self-proclaimed. And I talked with just a, a fellow the other day who's, uh, was, who spent time in prison. He said, man alive. And this guy, he's a born-again, loves Jesus with all his heart, a wonderful man. Also stands about 6'4", about 250. But he said when he was in prison, I'll, he said, I've got to tell you, he, said, he wasn't a Christian at that time. That's why they had to put those other these guys in another prison. That's why the trannies want to be in women's prisons where they can rape them and then not get beat, not get beat up by the heterosexuals in the regular prison. Well, but speaking of Jill Biden, I just one other thing I want to th- throw out here, uh, which I find actually I find this humorous. So well, Monday night. Dr. Jill, gosh, you know what? I miss Rush Limbaugh because I could hear him making fun of Dr. Jill Biden. Well, anyway, she does a special on CNN, uh, prime, CNN primetime. And it's an interview. I don't know who's interviewing her. It's a special night with Jill Biden. How well did it go? Well, I want to tell you how well it went over. In the ratings world, it was beaten out by a reruns of the Andy Griffith Show. 
Oh, my gosh, you can't make this up. And it was beaten out by reruns of Gunsmoke. <laughs> of course, they would say, well, Gunsmoke, oh, that's racist or whatever what they probably say. That's, well, I don't know who knows. Who cares what they say? Actually, Marshall Dillon was about the most polite, respectful of women man on TV, right? Did he ever mistreat Miss Kitty? Of course not. In fact, that's even what Toby Keith sings about, I think, in uh, what? I Should Have Been a Cowboy, I think that was that song. He never hung up his, never hung his hat at K Kitty's place. He was a gentleman. Anyway, I think this is hilarious. That Jill Biden, the the vice, the president's wife, the first lady, cannot beat out fifty-year-old reruns. Well, you deserve it, Jill. Now, a bit of a warning. I want to get out here. This is uh, I mentioned it before, but it's just too important to not mention again. I have said this so many times over the years, but now it has come to pass. I've said whenever you buy a gun or you buy ammo, never, 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 ever, ever, ever use a credit card and don't write a check. Don't. Now, I realize this limits your opportunities buying ammo online. So if maybe you do write a check, okay, you might have a little wiggle room for a while. But we just found out the other day that Bank of America was voluntarily turning over the names of individuals who, after going through credit card purchases of their customers who had purchases in Washington, D.C. surrounding January 6th, turning them over to the FBI without any subpoena. Now, I've hated B of A since 1997. That's when they were pushing for queer scout leaders. That's right. Queer guys to take young boys out on a otherwise unsupervised, secluded campout. Oh, yeah, gosh, what could go wrong there? B of A, Wells Fargo, Levi. Those three, don't do business with any of them. That goes all the way back 26 years ago. Well, here's why I'm telling you this. About never, 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 ever, ever, ever use a card credit card to buy guns or ammo because Discover Card has just announced as a matter of time. I think it was, it was bothering me. It was taking so long for this prophetic statement of mine to be correct, but I secretly, I was hoping it would be wrong, but it is not. They now are tracking gun purchases starting in April. So that means don't wait till April to pay with cash and don't think that, okay, it's only guns. They're not going to track ammo. Trust me, they are. They are going to track ammo. So um, one other thing, gosh, I think I can fit this in here before the break. A couple of weeks ago, I announced that we had the first, the first elementary Satan club uh, that came into operation. I forgot the state on the East Coast, I think. Uh, no, no, wait a minute. It was in, I think it was in Wisconsin. Anyway, it was east of the Mississippi. That much I, I do remember. It doesn't take long for evil to spread. That was only two weeks ago. And now we have the second school in a town called Paonia, P 
P-A-O-N-I-A, I think I pronounced that correctly, Paonia, Colorado, has a K through 8, including elementary, includes kindergartners, in an after-school Satan club. I kid you not. And so what are the organizers there claiming? What they say is this, and I'm quoting them. We only want to be on equal footing with the other clubs. We only want to be on equal footing with the other clubs. Well, let me just ask you a rhetorical question here. Because, uh, you know what, I'm coming up to a break. I'm actually not going to be able to fit this in, but don't go away. But I'm going to give you the biblical passage to reference this obviously ridiculously ridiculous, not ridiculously, ridiculous lie that they only want to be on equal footing with the other clubs. So to prove this false, as though I, I don't think I would need Scripture to, to prove that the organizers of a satanic club are consummate liars. But, this being the program that it is, we are going to go to the ultimate truth, the Word of God. So if you want to look this up during the break, actually I'd prefer to have you listen to the break, but nonetheless you can fiddle around and pick it up. It's from Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, verses 13, 14. We're going to prove that the satanic organizers are alive. We'll be right back. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to... Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. are back. This is Robin Walder with the Robin Walder Show. We were just discussing here before the break this second after after school Satan Club, and it's at the elementary school level that has opened up now in Colorado. The other one, I think, like I said, I think it was Wisconsin. I'm not sure, but two now in two weeks. This is how fast it's spreading, and it's the same old crapola that we hear from whether it was a queer clubs or whatever. We just want we just want to be equal. We just want to be recognized. No. It starts there. That's the camel's nose in the tent. But it expands. They're not, they're never interested in equality. Equality isn't good enough. They have to be accommodated and lauded and supported and advocated uh, as being actually superior and ultimately with a right to punish anybody that disagrees with them. So this, the organizers of this club said we just want to be on the same 
uh, want to be on equal footing with all the other clubs. So the rhetorical question to ask here is, when has Satan, from what you know of him and the Word, ever, ever wanted to be on equal footing? When has he just wanted to be one of the boys, just one of the angels? He just wants to be liked. He just wants to be tolerated. Well, he'll take tolerance if it's given to him, and that's a step in the door because before tolerance becomes acceptance, then it becomes forced acceptance, and then advocacy, and then, of course, the attempt to punish the kingdom of God. So how do we know that these clubs, these two clubs, organizers are lying and all the future ones? Well, it comes from Isaiah chapter 14, starting with verse 13. Now, I'm going to start with verse 12 here to uh, give the context. So Isaiah speaking in a prophetic manner. How, how have you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? How you are cut down to the ground, which you who has weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God those being the other angels, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I, I, I. To which I say, I, I, I. Satan reveals his heart, the heart of envy, jealousy, he wants to be above all the other angels. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be like the Most High. So the only place of equivalence here is that he won't be happy unless he is equal to God. But short of being equal to God, he wants to be above everything else. And if he were actually truly equal with God, which is impossible, but if he were, do you think he'd settle for that? That's as far as we know what he said. That's how we know these clubs are lying. They're not looking for just for equal footing. When they, when they are possessed by a spirit whose dominant theme and MO in, in, for all of the ages is to be revered and worshipped. And if you need any more proof, and we're not going to go to it for time reasons, it's just go to Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Didn't Satan want Jesus to bow down and worship him? That's what he was after. He's never about playing fair. He's never about being equal. So maybe all of that is, I'm preaching to the choir, maybe it's very, very obvious, uh, but it's always nice when there is something in the Word, there's always something in the Word that speaks to what's going on, but when something in the Word so directly, so pointedly, so on point, deals with a contemporary issue. You know, I, just in the last week, week and a half, I have had a renewed desire to preach. That's saying I have a desire to be a pastor of a church. But I miss not being in the pulpit more than what I get to do, which is maybe a half a dozen times a year. I'd like 
I'd like to take the message of not just this program, but the, the, the extent to which the Word of God applies to present-day issues, all of the present-day issues, into churches where pastors, frankly, are just fearful that their congregation is going to get up and walk out, that they're not loving enough or whatever. Well, I hope that comes, I hope that comes to pass. It's in my heart. I'm praying for it because I'm feeling as though there are simply too many Christians who think that somehow the truth ultimately is going to just settle into their mind by uh, an aggregation of everything they hear on TV or whatever, that they'll just sort of distill it. You know, there's only one thing I dislike more than somebody uh, saying that they read the word once is when they said they read the word once 35 years ago. No. Every time I finish with Revelation, I start over because I I forget. In fact, I'm blown away by how much I forget. But every time I go through the Word, I find more things that I never actually really was cognizant of. And why? Because the Word, while true forever and ever, Sometimes this application in our lives is not so obvious until the circumstances arise to which the application should be made. And I I mean, I've given examples before in the interest of time. I'm not going to go through that again. But this is why you need to keep going through the Word of God. And I mentioned a while back, I don't know if it was on the air to somebody else, but if I were to start another church... I have the name. It would be the Church of What's Happening Now. The Church of What's Happening Now, one of my favorite, absolutely one of my favorite comedians of all time, Flip Wilson. And he was the Reverend Leroy. This, that, the program cracked me up, but the Reverend Leroy segment really cracked me up. And Flip Wilson could not do that if he didn't have some degree of roots in a church to be able to come up with what he came up with. But the church of what's happening now was a little bit, uh, a little bit derogatory in its intent, but it's actually pure in its application. The more I think about it, what is happening now? What is happening? Why isn't a church? You see, church, I'm not, I'm not saying churches that go through systematically through the Bible are wrong. But the fact of the matter is that's something that largely people should be doing in their own living rooms or bedrooms is studying the Word of God. And maybe it's in a study group. But the pastor is there to, at least in some part, apply the Word of God to everyday situations. And I'm not talking about the fruit of the Spirit, which is important, and the gifts of the Spirit, which are very important, but all the things in Scripture which apply and speak point on to today's problems. And what would that be? The church of what's happening now. So what is happening now to which we should be applying the Word? To find out that what is to be applied to what's happening now are things that are written all the way back to the book of Genesis. Okay, moving on. The house divided cannot stand. I mentioned last week we're going to address the issue of secession. 
Do states leave the union? We have people who are calling for, starting to call for that. I have not called for it as such. I have predicted that it will happen. And I've also stated that there's a point at which it has to happen, and if it doesn't, we're done. And I think we are there. We're at the point where the states uh, need to identify that uh, upon the certification of the 2024 election, if it's a Democrat that wins, the state's gone. That's all. That's all that needs to be done. States, the state departs the union. Now we had Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, calling for a national divorce between red states and blue states a couple of weeks ago, and I think maybe I mentioned that. Uh, but I first, I first brought this up uh, over 15 years ago, and actually. That was part of this program. I first aired it in 1997 on a Christian station in L.A. Uh, about the, the uh, impending division within the United States and demise and, uh, and a secession, but possibly civil war. I want to say something and be very, very clear about this. I, do, I am not a supporter and or desire a civil war. But I want to say this at the beginning of this discussion or this segment. It's not a discussion. I guess I'm the only one talking, right? Uh, I think secession is actually necessary to prevent a civil war. A secession doesn't mean you rise up against the existing authority, the government of the United States, and try to overthrow it. That's an insurrection. And it's also unbiblical. That is not really the place to overthrow that government per se. Um, it's not to destroy the United States. It's a matter of saying, I got, you know what, it's been nice, but I got to leave now. I got to scream. I'm going to pick up my marbles and go home. That is not an act of insurrection. It's not an act of trying to overthrow the government. It is simply a departure. And a peaceful departure, peaceful departure, may actually uh, hold off and stem the possibility of an actual civil war. Think about it in terms of a marital couple, of a divorce. When things get really bad, and I mean really bad, there is a point at which the divorce is necessary to keep the peace. Correct, Amundo? As Fonzie would used to say, I don't even know what that means. The correct part, I know. I don't know what Amundo means, but anyway. The divorce... In fact, you will see in Scripture where God says he hates divorce, and yet he divorces Israel. I think it's in there a couple of times. I don't have the, the passage right in front of me. But you see, the divorce actually heads off God's judgment. God turns God turned Israel over to basically to Satan, and, then, and they reap the consequences mostly of just their sins. Sins has consequences. He almost doesn't have to judge them. It's like Romans 1. That God's talking about homosexuality. Eventually they reap the, the, the punishment for their activity in their bodies. It's not judgment by God. It's a natural consequence of that which is aberrational, not normal, sinful, and abominable in God's eyes. It doesn't have to judge it. And so the divorce by God is actually, all right, I'm going to send you out. I'm going to kind of kick you out of the house. You can try to get along out there without me. 
God doesn't have to judge them. But if he doesn't do the divorce, he has to judge them. Right? And that gets worse. So in this context, a divorce among the states may well be the peaceable way to avoid a civil war. A civil war may happen, but it'll only be because, like the North attacking the South, the remaining states that are saddled with a ridiculous debt and all of their immorality are bothered by states that actually hold the most resources and are more righteous and have have greater tax revenue. They'll, they'll be bothered by some of those states leaving. Not all of them have more tax revenue, but some certainly do, like Texas. So there is a divorce, if you will, a secession in Israel. I'll give you the passage. 1 Kings 11, 11. God caused a secession. And the secession was between evil states, evil, evil and sin-loving tribes, and the two tribes that still had a predisposition towards serving God, which was Judah and Benjamin. That's right, Judah and Benjamin, and God separated them. God did the secession, which is sort of what is happening at this point. And there are biblical uh, passages that deal with that uh, as well. And I'm going to go to 2 Kings 18.7. 2 Kings 18.7 talks about Hezekiah, where God mentions a number of times how righteous he was and all the righteous things that he did. Well, what did he do? He revolted. He revolted against the Assyrians, and he was blessed for breaking away from wicked rulers. That's right. Go to Second Chronicles twenty-one ten. Second Chronicles twenty-one ten. And there it says, uh, "The Edomites revolted from under the hand of Judah unto this day." At the same time, also Libna revolted from under Judah's hand because Judah had forsaken the Lord God of his fathers. Judah left. I'm out of here. It's been nice, but now we've got to scream. We're leaving. They left for righteous reasons. So there's a right way and there's a wrong way to leave. If states leave because of the high taxation regulations and so forth, those are secular reasons which will assure the ultimate destruction of the states that leave. The right way to leave is for biblical reasons because of the moral or immoral practices like Judah was practicing immorality and Libna had to get out of there. And so what does the, does the state or do the states that leave have to do in order for it to be right? They have to outlaw the sin that's dragged the country down as a whole. So there's no abortion. There's no queer marriage or queer adoption. No tranny this and tranny that. You have protected borders. You, there's a whole bunch of things. In other words, you have to make your country the place that ungodly and leftists do not want to live, right? That's what California is doing. The righteous people, California, is driving out. Well, the, re the reverse would be these states doing what would prevent 
these the wicked people from wanting to move in and would actually cause them to scurry out of there. Joe Biden, Joey, uh, well, I don't, <clears throat> I can't keep calling them no brains. I don't, I want to, I, I, I'm going to stop doing that. I got to find a better, um, Joey Corn Pop. Let's go over that one. So President Corn Pop said that uh, there's no there's no secession, there's no division, because uh, it says that uh, we were created a, to we were formed to create a more perfect union. Well, Corn Pop, that is not in the Constitution. That's in the preamble. It actually doesn't make sense because to say that something that's more perfect is like saying I'm going to give it 110 percent. So that actually, to me, has always bothered me because that was a bit of a misstatement. But does, is there a requirement that it be constitutional? No. I mean, interestingly, so the latest thing is a Texas lawmaker, Brian Slayton, this week is proposing a plan to the legislature that would have Texans vote to exit uh, their vote in the next general election as to whether they become their own independent state. So the Daily Wire said, quote, just before the union readmitted Texas back into the country, the U.S. Supreme Court declared in the 1869 case of Texas versus White that efforts for individual states to unilaterally secede from the union were absolutely null and void. And then one of my heroes, sadly, Antonin Scalia, said, quote, if there was any constitutional issue resolved in the Civil War, it is that there is no right to secede, end quote. Scalia was wrong, and the court in 1869 was wrong because the Constitution doesn't say anything about it. Nothing is said about it in the Constitution at all, so the court cannot say or premise their act that it's unconstitutional when it's not there. Go look. There is nothing in the Constitution. In fact, the, the Constitution was an agreement by states, not people with the federal government. So what was resolved in the war between the North and the South was that might makes right. Without getting into the underlying issues, all that was resolved was who was the winner. It was never based upon, nor did it ever resolve, one single constitutional issue dealing with the right of any states to leave. The Texas Nationalist Movement, which now has over 400,000 members, uh, calling it Texit, uh, has declared they want to be independent from the federal government. And it has to be done uh, just as soon as possible. It will never happen. Daniel Miller said um, of that organization, said, quote, at the end of the day, the people of Texas want that right of self-government. They do not feel like they're being represented in a system where they feel crushed under the weight of 180,000 pages of federal laws, rules, and regulations administered by 2.5 million unelected bureaucrats. That is as good as far as it goes. However, and this is a big however, that doesn't go far enough if it's only to get out from underneath the regulations. If Texas did that but at the same time didn't outlaw abortion, which it sort of already has, but queer marriage, go right on down the line, all of these things which are uh, a fist in the face of God, if they don't turn their back on Israel but become a supporter of Israel, 
they will be blessed. But if they don't do those things, then they are going to simply end up in the same pot as California and New York and those other states. So the question is, is it constitutional? Yes, it is constitutional. However, that question actually becomes moot because it doesn't really matter whether it's constitutional or not. If you got to go, you go. You leave. You see, if there's a contract, which is really it was a compact between the states and the would-be federal government in 1789, there's a compact, an agreement. If any one of those states, in fact, three of the states, I think it was New York, Virginia, and New Hampshire, all premised their agreement to enter into this country and be participants in the new Constitution on the fact that they would have the opportunity to leave. The others also felt that way. It was just wasn't premised in their specific agreement. So the question is, if you need to go, you just go. And if it's a compact, do you have to keep... Let me ask you just a simple question. Do you have to keep your end of the bargain when somebody else, the other side, doesn't? Somebody else cheats you? If you're paying a person to do some work for you and that person doesn't do the work for you, do you still have to pay them? Of course not. So this is the way this is, would need to play out. So a state just says, I'm sorry, uh, if so-and-so if, uh, is elected November of 2024, on the day that election is certified, we're no longer um, part of the United States. See what other states join. I can predict 15 states for sure that would join Texas if they did that. Now, what's the federal government going to do? Well, the feds are going to threaten a loss of funding. All right, where you don't get any money, you don't get this, and then what? So what does Texas or the other states need to do? Okay, same to you and more of it. No more tax revenue goes to Washington, D.C. You can print your own bogus money. You can put us in the spiraling debt, but we're not going to be part of that. You get to pay the debt. You caused it. We're not going to pay it because we weren't part of it. Now you get down to the issue of troops. Are they involved? It's a little dicey. Just who do you think the Texas National Guard, the Louisiana National Guard, the Oklahoma National Guard, the Air National Guard in those states, who do you think that they would fight for? They're not going to turn on their own people. No way. You watch the you will watch DC implode even though that is not the goal. You don't need permission. It is okay to just go when the other party has breached their const. You don't, you don't have the authority to exceed your authority. That's what the federal government is doing, which means our end of the bargain as the states, we're out of those. We don't have to do that anymore. No. You see, there's a legitimate possibility that the secession would be a factor in the restoration of the country. Like God with divorce, a proper divorce of the states may be the tool that leads to reconciliation and holds off a civil war that's otherwise certainly on our way if other action isn't taken first. 
It's Robin Walter encouraging you to sit tall in the saddle, America. Remember, you ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you, and we will see you next time.